0: want to know how to really connect with buyers and have your business thrive in today's economy? Today's guest, sales expert Deb Calvert, says stop selling. Is that crazy or what? In a minute, we'll find out what she's talking about.
1: This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Brought to you by Business M-O-L-L-C.
0: Deb Calvert helps companies boost productivity and builds organizational strength by helping you put people first. How does she do that? She does it in a number of ways. Through sales training, coaching, and consulting, leadership programs, strategic planning with senior managers, and other team effectiveness work and executive coaching with business owners and senior managers. She's the founder and president of People First Productivity Solutions. She's also a three-time top 50 sales and marketing influencer and has a best-selling book called Discover Questions, Get You Connected. She's also an award-winning blogger, As a member of the National Speakers Association, she does a lot of speaking, and she's delighted audiences in a variety of industries, and she's now leading a movement called Stop Selling and Start Leading. I'm certainly looking forward to hearing more about that one. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Deb.
1: Hannah, thank you so much for inviting me to be on the show today. I am just thrilled to be a part of Business Confidential Now. I love what you're doing there.
0: Well, thank you. We're excited to have you. This movement, Stop Selling, Start Leading, that sounds really intriguing. Tell me more about that.
1: Uh, Well, it it is. It's a movement. It's it's more than an idea. It's been taking shape. Uh, It is about behavior change. It's about a a progression or a change of position, and it's uh, it's the opposite of of inertia because inertia, business owners, entrepreneurs, sellers, they, they can get sort of stuck and if they could stop selling and start leading, they would find that they are unstuck and that buyers are, are following them.
0: All right. So how do they lead? What does this mean for small and mid-sized companies, for entrepreneurs, for people who you know, want to take their business to the next level?
1: Okay. I, I work with a number of small business and entrepreneurs who sort of attach this icky factor to the part of their business that is selling. And, you know, even people who are sales professionals, they, they sometimes can have a, a disdain for those stereotypical sales behaviors. And yet, when it comes time to sell, everybody, and I'm including everybody because I've seen it happen with even the very best of, of sellers and, and the smartest of business owners, those behaviors sometimes emerge, the, the stereotypical behaviors. And when they do, Buyers draw away, and even the seller or business owner finds themselves pulling back. They, they know those behaviors are off-putting. So instead, if they can step into their roles as leaders and begin to lead buyers instead of selling to them, well, we know because we're, we're looking at research, we know that they that's how you get results, and it's also how, how you feel better about those interactions with your buyers.
0: All right. So nobody likes the pushy car salesman stereotype and no offense to car salespeople out there. Cause I know we all drive cars and we all love them. So we need you. <laughs> but the reality is nobody likes that kind of pushiness. You're right. And you know, immediately your, your guard goes up and you, you understand what's going on. So how do you lead? Well, tell me what you mean by that. That sounds good, but like, how does it work? Yes. Well, here's how it all came together. Maybe that will help.
1: Um, I work in in these two spaces. I work in sales and I work in leadership. And I've done that for over a decade. And it occurred to me one day as I was going through a leadership training program, conducting it, um, I I used the Leadership Challenge, which is the evidence-based foundation of just about everything out there related to leadership. Jim Kuzis and Barry Posner, they've spent over 30 years researching the behaviors of leaders. that And they know that there are 30 behaviors of exemplary leaders. And when they demonstrate those 30 behaviors, people more willingly follow them. So we're talking about behaviors that are enabling to others and inspiring to others and encouraging. When sellers adopt those behaviors, which was my aha, what if sellers adopted those behaviors? Uh, what we're now finding from our research with buyers is that, yes, buyers when they view sellers differently and when sellers are exhibiting leadership behaviors, it changes the entire relationship.
0: Okay, Deb. So we, we know that we want to be able to enable, inspire, and encourage the people we want to do business with because we've got goods and services that can help them. I mean, that's the whole purpose of business. So how do we do that?
1: Very concrete, very specific ways. Let's start with Inspire. That's a family of behaviors instead of pitching products, or instead of being pushy or trying to talk someone into it, when you're inspiring, the behaviors of inspiring include things like this. They include letting others know how their own self-interest can be realized by entering into a vision that you've painted for them, another behavior that you painted a vision for them. You them and told them and and described for them what that future could be like. And when you're doing that, when when you're creating a vision and sharing it and bringing others into it, those behaviors are very much more likely to to mobilize people into action. I think enable is an interesting one because we don't typically think of enabling our buyers. We think about doing everything we can for them, which is exactly contrary to to enabling them. But uh, There's a a piece of research that really, I think, does a good job of of encapsulating this. It's from a book called The Future of Competition. And the authors write about the bottom-up economy that that we're now in, and they conclude that consumers will migrate to businesses that allow them to be participants in the process of creating what they want. So enabling, let's put this back into the, the B2C space so everybody can relate to it, Enabling would be like what Chipotle does or Build-A-Bear Workshop or Sephora Makeup. You go to those stores and you participate in creating what you want. You're enabled to make choices and decisions along the way through the process. You are um, given some opportunity to collaborate with the people who are selling something to you as opposed to it being one direction. So that's what that one's all about.
0: So it's more customization that they get to pick as opposed to one-size-fits-all. Absolutely.
1: And even if you sell a single good or a single service, to be able to enable your buyer to give them an opportunity to shape something about the experience, whether it's the the delivery, whether it's about the uh, frequency, there's something there that if you can ask questions, draw them out, get them participating in creating what they want and how they want it, That's where they are being um, connected with you, and that's where they're feeling like you are different from all of your competitors.
0: Very, very interesting. So this asking questions, does this connect like with your book, Discover Questions, Get You Connected? It it, it does, Uh, although the book came before all of this research, so it's sort of uh,
1: interesting that there ends up being a connection. DISCOVER is an acronym. So the word DISCOVER and DISCOVER questions get you connected. Each of those letters stands for a different purpose for asking questions. And there are eight purposes for asking questions. When someone understands how to diversify the choices they're making, the, the purpose, the reason they're asking the question, they can get a lot more information. So being a very good question asker, certainly sets you up for success when it comes to doing things like enabling your, your
0: buyers. All right. I don't know whether today I didn't have enough coffee, but this sounds a little abstract to me. Can you give me an example? Mm-hmm. You bet. Uh,
1: so let's say that you're using the V kind of a question in, in Discover. In that acronym, the letter V is for value, and it's a question that doesn't often get asked, but it's so important to understand what your buyer truly values. And the hierarchy of of how they value those things. Let's say, let's say that that you're working with a buyer and the first need that they express is the one that you pounce on. And of course you have a solution, you meet that need, and it's a very transactional and and quick exchange. Very different from if you ask them, why is this important to you? How important is this to you? What else is important to you? Or tell me about your, your needs. Rank them for me. One, two, three. And you get this much bigger picture around what matters to that buyer. Having done that, you can respond to the primary need. You can respond to perhaps in a secondary one. You can create a connection again with that buyer because you're different. You're asking these questions that are involving them, that are giving them a chance to, to be challenged and to think through what they want. And it doesn't take much time to create then this, this bond that will lead to customer loyalty. Um, let me let me give you another piece of research because I think this this sort of helps to to bring together what we're talking about. Um, Dr. David Lewis, he's at MindLab International. He's talking about modern buyers, and he says that shopping experience shopping experiences trigger brain activity that creates euphoric moments. We call that retail therapy. <laughs> but uh, what he says is these euphoric moments can be triggered by experiencing something unexpected. So threading all of the pieces here together, we create an experience with buyers by asking questions. Those questions alone create value. The buyer is experiencing something unexpected. They're participating in creating what they want as you ask these questions and involving them and enabling them. And they are beginning to trust you to see you as different from all of your competitors and to want to continue to work with you and you alone because of this connecting experience that that you're pulling together for them. Does that help make it less abstract?
0: Well, it helps make it less abstract, but I think there's a basic assumption that you're making that this prospect, this customer really wants to be sold to. And I'm I'm kind of I'm going to challenge that a little bit because I think a lot of people put their guard up very quickly and they don't necessarily want to give you a whole lot of information because, oh, no, now come the emails. Now I'm going to sit here and have to listen to it because, you know, that like you get those cold calls where somebody immediately starts talking. <laughs> the phone is answered and you can't get a word in edgewise. They're reading from a script. We've all been through that. And so do you want to connect? I don't know if I want to connect. I'm going to maybe got to be a little bit more circumspect in the information that I'm giving you because if I tell you my most, you know, biggest pain point, well yeah, you're going to try to sell me something for that and I'm not necessarily convinced that you've got the right solution because we've been wired to think, oh, they just want to sell me something. So, I just I got to get the feeling there's a little some preliminary work that kind of needs to be done in order to make sure you're talking to somebody who's really ready, willing and able to buy if you have the right solution for them.
1: Agreed. And so those questions I I mentioned value, obviously they came later in a conversation once some needs had been expressed. But if we go back to the beginning, when we are initially trying to connect with someone, the approach is, is much the same. You've got to differentiate yourself. You've got to give a buyer an opportunity to see that you are different from all those other sellers who are doing those selling behaviors that we we do not only put our guard up we just adamantly resist in, in fact buyers will go to great lengths not to be sold to but buyers will also go to great lengths to have an awesome connecting experience and go out of their way to come to you if you show this to them uh, that's from the th- those words are from Michael Dart in, in the Wall Street Journal but anyways uh, to be able to create this awesome connecting experience early on we we shouldn't use a script. We shouldn't be pitching over the phone and and we shouldn't be putting product front and center. The buyer, today's modern buyer is so empowered and doesn't want any of that to be going on. So we need to be able to know a little bit about them if if we're cold calling and these are outbound calls, know a little bit about them to connect around that information, to ask salient questions that are going to uh, demonstrate right off the bat that we create value in our conversations alone. It's about setting your intent internally, knowing your intent is to help, and expressing your intent, demonstrating your difference early on so that the buyer will gravitate to you and and open up and give you permission to then uh, have a, a deeper, more meaningful conversation.
0: I like those concepts, and I'm not sure how many of our listeners are involved with cold calling. That's a very specific niche of companies that do that type of thing. But I do think that all of our listeners do get involved in certain types of networking experiences, whether they belong to trade associations, they go to conferences, meetings. I mean, there's there's people to meet outside their immediate organization that may or may not be able to refer business to them, and so it's it's a softer selling approach where these kinds of concepts could apply, because it's, it's having that conversation. It's building a rapport, maybe creating a friend, a colleague. And so if you're at a networking function, a meeting, a conference, what would be some good opening questions? What would you recommend?
1: So the same question.
0: It comes up over and over again,
1: and it's because we're all having the common experience of being at the conference. And that question, when you meet someone new, is usually something around the lines of what brings you here or what do you do? Fine. Those are great questions. The unfortunate thing is what happens next, and that is where people all too often are either looking over your shoulder because they realize that you're probably not a prospect for them or they think you may be a prospect and they start pitching. Wholly inappropriate, that's not why we're here. We're here to make the connection. It's a networking event. It's all about connections. Sell some other time. Don't sell here and now. So the next questions: how are you? What are you doing? Maybe you started there. Uh, what brings you here? And now you need to use some other questions. Hey, tell me more about your business uh, because even if it's not a prospect for you, chances are there's something within that business that's going to get you connected to somewhere else. Or it's a question about you know, what are the kinds of things that, that you're looking for at this conference. Having that dialogue, being able to more naturally get to know someone can lead to other connections, can lead to other referrals. Instead of trying to go around the room and meet as many people as possible and collect business cards, have the richer conversations, the connections. Connections lead to referrals, even if it's not a a primary prospect for you.
0: So why do you think more people don't do that?
1: I think adrenaline is partly to blame. We think we're supposed to sell something. We don't like the fact that we are supposed to sell something. We are hypercharged up anyway in this sea of people and I think that uh, we, we lose sight of, of backing up, being more natural, being comfortable, and just being human to human. It's, it's adrenaline. It's a false sense of, of the wrong purpose. And it's the, the environment and, and that everybody else seems to be doing something frenetic. We, we think we should,
0: too. Very interesting. In terms of people having a very a short attention span and very limited time, once you have identified a prospect, you know that they have a need. They've expressed it. You've gone through some of the the early filtering, if you will. All right. What does say the two or three most important questions that should be asked that often aren't and can derail the selling process? Well, I, I'm a big believer
1: in asking questions that help a buyer. Understand their own need and get committed to their own need. Back to that acronym of discover. Here's one that, that no one ever asks. It's the E. That stands for example. I want someone to to have the relive the experience of something that worked for them, and something that didn't, or something that didn't, and something they imagine would work better. So I just ask for an example. Uh, that example, no matter what your business might be, something like well, tell me about a time when this worked and, and tell me about a time when it didn't work or tell me about how you imagine this ought to work as compared to how it works right now. And as people are doing this, it's essentially the very same thing. You mentioned car dealers earlier. It's, it's essentially the same thing as getting behind the wheel of that car to do a test drive because now you're going to have an experience. You're going to be envisioning exactly what this could be like for you and as you envision and talk about what it could be, you are selling yourself. All I've done is, is facilitate. I've led you by bringing open this, this bigger vision to you and, and giving you a chance, enabling you to step into it. That's
0: incredibly powerful because it's storytelling. It's not, it is, it's not my yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. It's their story. And they get to tell it, which is even better, because through the inflections, you can identify, if you're listening well, where the pain points were, what really frustrated them, what words they use, the expressions on their faces as they're telling you the story, which are all great opportunities to connect with. That's really very, very interesting. Very interesting.
1: I love that you said that, Hannah, because this is the the magic of questions. It's not in the questions themselves. It's in the listening, in the wholehearted listening that you just described. Empathetic listening for the feelings, emotions, uh, the, the inflections telling you what is most important, least important. Love that you said that because that's a critical skill.
0: Well, because we like people that care about us, right? I mean, that's how we're wired. So, you know, being able to respond like that is human to human, as you said. Yes,
1: and this is where true connections happen.
0: Yeah, very good, Deb. How did you get interested in this area? What would have been some influencers in your career that that helped point you in this direction? Can you share one of them with us?
1: Yeah, you know, my career really has three stages. So let me talk about the first stage, since that's the, the genesis. Um, I worked at a newspaper, and it was my my very first real job, full time job. I wanted to, with my journalism degree, I wanted to break into the newsroom, but they weren't hiring people fresh out of school. So my second thought was, all right, just any job I can get at this newspaper, the Kansas City Star, any job I can get, I'll take it, and I'll work my way in over to the editorial side. Well, my job was in classified advertising, taking incoming ads. This will really date me. This is back when the Sunday newspaper used to be huge with, with help wanted ads, and <laughs> um, and I did that. I, I took ads. My boss, uh, her name is Vanessa Scrubbs, she saw something in me that i hadn't yet quite seen in myself and as i progressed through the newspaper into different jobs a few times along the way she reminded me she said debbie and she's one of the few people that get to call me that she said debbie stay yourself you're going to go be doing that other job but you be yourself don't change anything about you and so this whole idea of authenticity has really, really stuck with me. And I I think it was good advice going from an inside to an outside position later, an outside sales position to a sales management role. And to this day, even, I can hear her voice sometimes in my ear, be you, Debbie, be yourself. And and it matters.
0: How delightful to have had a mentor like that, as opposed to someone who tried to put a square peg in a round hole or, or vice versa to you know, twist you into a pretzel to conform to some kind of business culture. That's really, really refreshing.
1: She was and is wonderful. She's a fantastic mentor. Are you still in touch with her? I am. Uh, we, we talk via Facebook mostly, and she's retired now and living a good life, uh, but she's still a, an incredible supporter of mine, and, and I, just, I, I just love her dearly. She has made a world of difference in my life. What a great relationship.
0: I do have to ask you a little bit more about your book, Discover Questions, Get You Connected. Was there something that happened that that triggered you to sit down and write? Because, you know, a lot of people have ideas for books, but very few people actually execute and, and finish a book. So tell me about what it was that made you want to write that book. People kept asking. Uh, I, I spent 20 years
1: researching questions and talking to buyers, and that started with Nothing more than curiosity. So over the years, as as I was a sales manager and later worked with the Salesforce Advisory Board at the uh, Kellogg School there at Northwestern University, when I went into a Fortune 500 role and had 31 trainers and coaches across the country working with me, I, I just collected questions. So, my colleagues on the Salesforce Advisory board, when when they were field coaching, the trainers that were working with me at the thirty one companies, I, I collected questions and I started sorting them. I, I no longer believed that there were only three types of questions which I, I came out of the school of spin selling, and that's where where it starts, three, four, if you want to break the break it down into the true spin. Um, but I knew there were more. And so I started sorting questions for myself. And I identified eight purposes put that into a training program, was taking that out and teaching various audiences and people always wanted something more. And they said, You you should write a book. I wish I could read a book. So the book is is largely a compilation of those different scenarios that I saw in field and of different questions that did work as well as those that didn't. And and some storytelling
0: to to show how it all came together. Fabulous. Well we're going to have a link to your book on the episode page at businessconfidentialradio.com. So if anybody wants to get more information about it, that'd be a great place to go. You know, I could talk to you about this like all day because it is such a critical function of any business because if you can't make a sale, you don't have a business. So being able to connect with your, your customers, your prospects, and developing customer loyalty is just an essential part of any business prospect. So I should say process, (laughs) but we are just about out of time. And I was wondering if you had any parting thoughts for our listeners, Deb.
1: Well, check out Stop Selling, Start Leading. It is a movement. We are doing an incredible amount of research with buyers, and there's much more than we had time to talk about here today. So I, I hope you'll have a chance. You can just look it up. If you look up Stop Selling, Start Leading, all the Google results are about what we're doing and we'd love to hear from anybody who has more questions and anybody who would like to participate in the research. It's going full steam ahead right now.
0: Excellent. Gives people a chance to make a difference and participate, as you say, right? Exactly. That's what it's all about, and That's I enjoy connecting with people, so let's do. Most definitely. Well, thanks so much for these tips. You know, these, these examples that you gave, I think, are very powerful. There are, there are some things that people could start using today and see how they make a difference in their results. Thank you so much for your time, for being on the show, being a guest on Business Confidential Now. Thank you so much, Hannah. Thank you for joining me today. You can get more information about today's guest and the show notes on our website, businessconfidentialradio.com. And connect with me on social media. I'd love to hear from you. Stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel-Kelchner will be back with more business information and inside scoop you need to succeed in your business. Till then...